0: Hello and welcome to series two of the My Little Coco podcast. I am so happy to be back. I have an amazing lineup of guests for this series and I cannot wait for you to hear them. For those of you that are new to the show, in this podcast, I speak to my guests about their parenting journeys, what they've learned along the way and what they still need to figure out. We'll be talking about sleep, mostly the lack of it, the importance of well-being, the myths around breastfeeding and everything else in between. I'll be getting as many tips and tricks from my guests about how to find these balances because let's face it, they're not little for long. Well I am very happy to be joined by my guest today, presenter, DJ and also a dating and empowerment coach, mum to her gorgeous little boy Alfie River and soon to be a mum of two. She has her own podcast called Mum's the Word where she and her guests speak very openly about some of the parenting struggles we don't talk about enough. Here is Ashley James on the My Little Coco podcast. (music) So, first of all, congratulations. Thank you so much. Congratulations. About to be a mama of two. Yeah. And we're like, what, three weeks away? Three (laughs) weeks to go. And, yeah, I'm very excited to meet little girl.
1: And I've got a scan straight after this.
0: Oh, lovely. So, yeah. I used to love scan days. Yeah. They're kind of like... I mean, at the end, you can't see so much, can you? You know, when you run out of room. But
1: weirdly, she did say to me, Oh, she's got loads of hair. And Alf was born bald and he was, was really fair. So mm-hmm. I'm like, Well, if she's got loads of hair, then she's probably going to be either really dark
0: or ah, ginger. Yes. yes. I've got a lot of redheads yeah, in my yeah, family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know that my daughter, Alaya, is that's her biggest thing in life. She's like, Why wasn't I born with red hair? Uh, she's obs- like, She is obsessed, obsessed with red hair.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'd be quite happy if she yeah. a little
0: redhead. Oh, my gosh, a little Ariel. Yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous. So let's talk about... So you obviously have a son currently and you are about to, hopefully not right now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, give birth to a daughter. How does that make you feel? Do you know what? I'm really excited. Um, when
1: I had Alf, I'll be honest, I... I really did experience gender disappointment because I was so really? sure he was going to be a girl. Really? And Tommy really wanted a boy. I mean, look, I say this, we wanted a healthy baby, mm-hmm. but you know, when you kind of like have subconscious oh, you preference you and I couldn't help, help it. And I was like a little bit gutted when I found out that he was going to be a boy and I hated myself for it because I was like, why can't I just like I don't want to feel like this and Tommy was like I feel like you're really sad about this and now I'm obviously I'm so happy that he's a boy and we've got the best relationship he's the coolest little guy I feel like it healed a lot of like my hatred towards boys and men as well <laughs> yeah. I was like oh you're I to raise ch-. a good one <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so um I was a little bit more chilled this time around I was like I'd love to have a girl because I'd love to experience being like a a mum you know a mum to a daughter and to be able to pass on all my wisdom have a little bestie for life yeah but I was like do you know what if I have two boys that's also cool Mm -hmm. so when I found out I was having a girl I was like okay
0: this is really good I'm really
1: happy so
0: (laughs) I'm excited it's weird isn't it you kind of I remember actually being pregnant with my second and I was actually scared that I was gonna have a boy because I'd had a layer who was a girl And I remember at the time, like, being pregnant, having, like, I've got lots of nephews and they were over. And, like, I really wouldn't know myself with a boy. I just, I was honestly terrified about that prospect. And I remember we weren't going to, we didn't find out. So I'm literally to the end and I carried completely different. You know, everyone does that whole thing of it's definitely a boy, definitely a boy this time. And I was so convinced I was having a boy that I was almost beating myself up about it because I actually at that time really didn't know if that's what I wanted. Like you said, (laughs) ultimately, you want a healthy baby. But yeah, I had this weird relief when I was having a girl, which is which is really strange. And then after that was desperate for a boy. It's just weird. You go through these different cycles in your life during I, motherhood, don't I you? I
1: honestly don't know how you don't find out. My sister's pregnant at the moment, which is really exciting. And um, my nephew's four months younger than Alfie. Mm. And this baby is going to be four months younger than oh, the little lovely. girl. But I was like, can't I find out and not tell you? And she's like, no. I was like, I just think it's really selfish that like you're making me wait for nine months. I need to know if I've got yeah.
0: a niece or a nephew in there. Do you know what? It's one of those weird things that I... I found out with layer because I was desperate. I was like 24 and I was like, I need to know. Like, I kind of felt I was like my first, I was like the first in our friendship group to have a baby. I was young and I just was desperate to know what I was growing and buzzing that I had a girl. And then the second time, I really wanted a surprise. A friend around me had had the surprise and I thought it was so special just not knowing who was coming that I kind of wanted that. And then with our third, it was locked down so we had all of that and there was just you know it was just full of such negativity and I was completely prepared not to find out again that's what I had in my head because I just loved the surprise element the time before and we got to the scan we literally pulled up outside and Marv was like I think we should find out no 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 no. I really don't want to know we don't want to know then we got in there and all of a sudden she said are you going to find out and he went yeah and I went are we and I went okay and then that was it and Yeah, then I found out I was having a boy, which I still can't believe that I've produced a boy. It's a really weird thing, isn't it? But yeah, the the surprise element... Is lovely. It really is nice.
1: I know, but I'm just way too impatient with everything (laughs) in life, especially. I
0: just like to know like who it is. (laughs) Who are you? Even now, I'm like, I want to meet you, but also I'm kind of enjoying like the chill time of pregnancy. So take time. (laughs) There's a lot you can fit into those last three weeks. Yeah, (laughs) just not yet. Not yet. Give me a bit more time. I'm
1: also nesting like an absolute maniac, but also working full time. And this is what I find really interesting Mm. because with Alfie it was lockdown, so at the time when people would be like, oh, I feel so sorry for you lockdown mums, and I was like, well, it's actually quite nice, because it's given me positive focus, and I'm at home, and I get to chill, and And now I'm like, wait, we're meant to work, and be pregnant, like, what is that about? (laughs) Yeah, see, I
0: kind of had it the other way around, yeah, that must be, that must feel because you're almost, it was almost like a, a maternity leave, obviously it was the, you know, the most horrific time that we've seen in our, you know, hopefully we ever see again in our generation, however, it was kind of like if you were pregnant, it was like a maternity leave that you were sharing with the world. So when you're self-employed, I had that moment where I've in my lifetime, I've never had that. I was always thinking, about, when am I going to go back to work? And it was always very early and sooner than perhaps I would have liked. So this time it was kind of like, oh, everyone's sort of off grid, not just me. And I didn't feel guilty about it. Yeah. Which
1: all the work was from yeah. home. So
0: you could do that thing where you'd wear like something really fancy on top, <laughs> <laughs> just pyjamas on the bottom. Nothing on the bottom. Nothing fits. <laughs> yeah. You touched on there, those kind of identity battles. Let's go back to that first period of time when you had your little one, because it really can blindside you and sometimes in a really positive way. And in that way of like, you get hit with this love bus and you just didn't expect to feel like this. But then sometimes in the complete opposite, that you feel like you're supposed to feel all these things, and sometimes you just don't. I
1: think I almost made wanting to be child-free part of a big part of my identity because I was single in my thirties. I was single for six years from twenty-seven to thirty-three when I met Tommy, mm-hmm. and I was I had really had like all this noise around me of like, don't you want to settle down? Don't you want to meet someone? Don't you want to have children? And I remember saying to my mum when she sat me down with my godmother, I knew that was when it was getting bleak. Mm. Do you not want to meet someone, Ashley? I was <laughs> like, what, do you want me just to click my finger? I was like, do you want me to set down, settle down with anyone? anyone? <laughs> but I said to her mum, I don't think I want children. And I still think that's a really valid choice. And actually, we should empower people to make those decisions. Yeah. Because now that I'm a mum, I'm like, I get why it's not for everyone. Yeah, It's so all-consuming. Um. But I talked about it so much publicly because I felt like it was an important conversation to have in your 30s that there's this like invisible timeline and pressure on us that men don't really have the same. But also... I didn't meet anyone and what do you want me to do? Just like yeah, he'll do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what? I should settle down now. Come yeah. on. Go through
1: the exes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> All you... girls yeah. yeah, And but
1: that's a weird thing as well, that at school we'd make these pacts, like if we're not with anyone by the time we're thirty, should we get married? And it's like so basically if you're single at thirty, life is so bleak, like that you can't imagine being single, so you'll just settle with your best mate awesome. from school.
0: I can imagine like in my thirties is the most secure I've felt in my life. As in me i know who i am i'm not taking no prisoners i don't suffer fools i know do you know what i mean i know i feel really confident in myself obviously i do have a family and i am married however if i was single in this period of time which a lot of my friends are what a bloody like kick-ass time to be single that's that's what I feel. it was when- honestly
1: one of the best chapters of my life like me and my best friend charlotte we dj together we would go around the world we'd visit honeymoon destinations because we just thought do you know what we're not doing it at the partner. So let's just do it with each other. Yeah. And we just had the best time. And then it was lockdown. And Tommy and I were in a really new relationship at lockdown. And I remember when Boris announced we'll be locking down yeah. for midnight. I said to Tommy, you're going to have to go home. <laughs> and he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, this could go on for months. And he was like, uh-huh. That's why I thought I'd stay. And I was like, oh, God. Ooh. I don't know. I'm not
0: sure I so I actually this. sent him
1: home in a taxi. And then it was one night when he got home and I was on my own. And then I was thinking feel like this is one of those moments that I just need to like bring my walls down a bit Yeah. and like what's the worst, like what is the worst that can happen? Yeah. And then obviously we had a great time and we got pregnant. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and the um, rest is history. And I think the hardest thing with becoming a mother, it kind of made me realise the lack of empathy I had for mums and what they go through because I think because I had so much pressure or noise on me of mm-hmm. well, don't you want children that I almost became like hardened to it yes and I was like well it's a it's a choice it's a lifestyle people shouldn't have their babies on planes and you know I was really Mm. like it cringes me out now I remember one of my really good friends I said to her you must have hated me because she's a mum of two and I was like I never asked you about your kids and I I would even say to her oh so nice that you don't talk about your kids it's so annoying when mums talk about their kids isn't it and I was like oh my god it cringes me out I know and I said to her I'm so sorry like you must have hated me. But she said, Do you know what, Ashley? I loved it because in the time that I felt like I'd lost my identity and people only saw me as the mum, the it was so nice to go out with someone that actually didn't care that I was a mum and I never talk to <laughs> talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly
0: that. So she's like, like Thank you. Thank it, you for being that it friend. It makes me
1: feel better. But then I think that's when I was like, kind of thrown into the deep end of like, wow, not only have I been like a bit of a cold hearted bitch about this, <laughs> but it's so much harder than I thought and also whereas I would kind of be like well why would anyone want kids because mums are negative I didn't actually think to be like I consider myself a feminist but yet actually mothers are like the reason so many mothers struggle is because of like the patriarchy or systematic things in place that make it hard hard. Yeah. yeah but you know like bounce back culture or and mm-hmm. shame around feeding mm-hmm. or I don't know, the cost of childcare, going, natural birth, going yeah. back to work, but being made to feel like you can't talk about your children at mm-hmm. work, but then also mm-hmm. you need to get home and not think about yeah. work. And yeah, it's really hard. You no know, support
0: with childcare. You know, the list does go on, yeah. doesn't it? And then you, yeah, I suppose you must have really have been, you know, that part of your brain and then this new part of it opens. You're like, wow, okay. And it
1: is that sort of internalised misogyny of like, well, I was like, well, I'm I'm a career woman. I'm a career woman. Mm. And, you know, men aren't like, I'm either a dad or a career man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So yes. I felt really kind of ashamed that I'd had these kind of like archaic views myself whilst thinking I was like mm. a feminist. Mm-hmm. And I remember really early into, into my motherhood experience, one of my friends was like, yeah, I, I, I haven't had kids because I've focused on my career. And I was like, ah. But I had to breathe because i that was like... that oh, was your... That was that me. Was you, that was you, But yeah. I was like, I'd, I'd like to think I've focused on my career and I still do. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Was like, I know, and
0: who's, that's what I mean. Who says that you have to stay in your lane? I think that's... that's I think it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because the pressure that we put on ourselves to do it all, but then there's this weird pressure that society also sometimes gives us where it's like you're either a career girl or you're a mum you know with this we we can merge the two and that is all right do you think that you were kind of you put pressure on yourself to live the life that you had before once Alfie arrived do you think that was the hardest part of the identity sort of crisis as it were
1: Yeah, and I remember um, getting booked to do Boardmasters Festival and Mm -hmm. it was just after lockdown, so it was one of the first festivals that was open again and I was so excited to DJ. And this is the big thing with identity for me is lockdown and motherhood were so intertwined. It's really hard to disconnect what was hard because of lockdown and what was hard because of motherhood. But I got booked to go to Cornwall, but it was when loads of trains weren't working still because loads of people were off with COVID Mm -hmm. and it was still all very like you had to stay so far away from each other. Mm. It took us about 12 hours and about seven different trains to get to, to Cornwall. I had to get Tommy to come with me, to look after Alf while I was DJing. And then I had like my kid behind the decks with his little headphones on, <laughs> trying to like breastfeed under the decks. And I, but I remember thinking like, I just want to be like Ashley the DJ again. Yeah. And I, I still, I still, cause I love music and I love like getting to see people dance. Mm. And now I've chilled out with it a bit. I was like, do you know what? I think it was an ego thing as well that I wasn't prepared to let anything go. I was like this is yeah. mine and this yeah. is mine and, and this is all. mine. And I will do it all. Yeah. Whereas now I'm like, do you know what? I actually really don't I w- maybe I will want to TJ in the future, but there's nothing worse that I could think when my child is waking up every hour of the night that in that little bit of pocket of time I get to myself. Got- I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to i'm just gonna play some music and d j like i'm yeah. not in that party zone whereas actually one of the reasons i loved djing was because i loved drinking and dancing yeah, and i'd yeah. like stay and have all these crazy parties and whereas... let it
0: be the escapism first <laughs> wow i've got to make this all happen yeah. in that small window yeah you're so right so now i've
1: just kind of learned to be like do you know what we can actually sit back from things even if yeah. we like them and know
0: and it's te- and it might be temporary yeah
1: exactly either it's temporary or maybe like we have just evolved and yeah. you know what we loved back then might not be be what we want to do now Yeah,
0: absolutely that you mentioned I suppose like a disconnect to Alfie um at the beginning and obviously because of all those reasons that we've just discussed when did that then shift
1: uh I'd say after like two or three days I think when I started to breastfeed um I started to get to know him but I think it was more the sort of getting over childbirth Mm. and I think that was a bit like what the hell just happened because my mum had a really quick um, birth with all three of us and so she kind of really got into my head that number one is really quick and number two is like really painless and I've run marathons I knew what it was like to push my body past the point of pain and carry on so I I thought well I'm really resilient Uh I can cope with pain and it it was just a lot of much more of a different experience than I expected so I think I was probably just a bit dazed yeah and blindsided
0: um, just completely like what just happened yeah
1: so three days in when my milk started to come in that was when like every day I just started him more so even when I talk about all these identity battles like he was never the problem like I loved him yeah. but it was all the other stuff which is almost like invisible isn't it it's all this yeah. like psychological change and the physical change and I I didn't ever mind my body changing but I just didn't recognise myself in it so I didn't Mm -hmm. really know what to wear. Obviously it was lockdown as well so I'd not have like my nails done and my hair done and all of those (laughs) things so I just felt like I didn't recognise the person who went into lockdown from the person who came out of it.
0: Yeah and when you look at it like that like you say that's like early dating and just you know finding this all so fun and new and not sure if you're Committed to yeah, you know, going on reality. really fun yeah. dates, yeah. and yeah.
1: yeah, we went on this like really fun trip to Finland, like we were just having fun, yes. as you should. Yeah. So, even now, we're like,
0: Wow, locked out, yeah, locked out, <laughs> yeah, like we wouldn't
1: change it, but we're like, Oh, it's a shame that we never got to do all of those things. But I guess also because we met later, we've done all of those yeah. things with friends or Absolutely. on our own,
0: and then when you get those the time to do those things they mean so much more because you're like wow that was an amazing night because i don't know the kids were looked after or (laughs) however that looks you just appreciate those little moments so much more than you probably would have done before
1: that's also why it's scary going back into the newborn bubble again because i feel like we were just starting to get a bit of autonomy (laughs) and now we're like going back into the trenches but
0: there's something beautiful about trusting yourself to a different level the second time that's what i really found you know little things that you know, you know, you know, you know what you're doing. I've got this one, I've managed to keep this one okay. We've got this. There's a kind of, there's a piece that comes with that, I think.
1: Even all the things that took us ages to figure out in the beginning, like how does the car seat work? How does the pram work? We need to practice doing this, or mm-hmm. that you just know it this time. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely that. So, our little topic for this episode is breastfeeding and I think it's a weird, it's a it's a weird one because it can be so divisive, it can be for so many different reasons. I think if you can't breastfeed or you didn't take to breastfeed or you simply don't like it and didn't want to and that wasn't for you, you feel that real element of being judged for mm-hmm. formula feeding and then... Equally, if you do breastfeed and you're loud about it, you can also get judged. You you pretty much can't win when it (laughs) comes to public, you know, opinion on breastfeeding. I know it's something that you've been so open about, which is what I love. And that's why I really wanted to talk to you about this today. When did you know you wanted to breastfeed? Is that something you decided when you was pregnant with Alfie?
1: do You know, what? I was always quite chilled in that I thought if I can I will and I wanted to be prepared so I actually got a l- lactation consultant to come round oh. um probably a week before birth. Mm-hmm. Well, what I thought was a week before birth, it was actually 3 weeks before birth, <laughs> but I just wanted to kind of understand the positions and I thought, well, cuz I knew it was hard cuz I'd I'd had a few friends that had um had babies and They always said breastfeeding is a lot harder than you think and it's not this like really natural thing like they make out it to be. So I thought, well, if I understand the positions, then it gives me a a better chance. But if I can't, that's also fine. So I remember buying formula thinking like, well, I've got it in the cupboard if I need it.
0: Okay, so you were sort of open.
1: Open, but hopeful that I could. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then I never got colostrum I actually, it kind of weirded me out <laughs> even trying to do it. So I don't even know if I tried, but I remember having the syringes, but I, I, I didn't have any. And um, I also had a lump removed in my boob when I was 15. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what the damage would be because right. they'd have to essentially take my nipple off, yeah, put it back on. Yeah. So I, I thought maybe I could only do it on one boob. But anyway, three days in after the milk came in, it just worked really easily for me. Wow. Um, although I did get the lactation consultant back one day because they kept saying he's losing weight, he's losing weight when the midwives would come mm. around they put the fear of God to me and he was a big baby, he was 9.5 pounds and they kept saying you, maybe not feeding him enough, maybe he's not getting enough milk and so I was like please, please oh, come gosh. back yeah. um, and it was great and fine and I loved it and I think it took my sister having her baby a few months later and not having a smooth ride for me mm. to actually kind of Realise that it's not that smooth for everyone. Yeah. Um. So my view again with baby girl is going to be if I can, great, and if I can't, great, because there's just too much pressure on us to do everything. Mm. And also, I don't know how I'll manage. Like, we're not in lockdown anymore, so yeah. work isn't mm-hmm. in my house. Yeah. Um. So I'm just going to see how it goes and see how I feel. Um. Because towards the end of my feeding journey with Alf, so you know, six to 12 months when I did start to struggle with my mental health, I did it and I loved it. That that I think I was so scared to not breastfeed because it was this really, like, the amazing yeah. moment. But I also resented it because I couldn't go see my friends for dinner or I couldn't ever leave him for work or anything. Um, but he just wouldn't take a bottle. And, you know, when everyone's like, try this bottle, try this bottle. I think oh. I must have bought every single bottle on the market. Yeah. So... No, I I loved it, but it's hard and I think I didn't realise. And it came with a lot of shame and judgment, Mm. especially online, because to be perfectly honest, the only time I would have time to be on my phone would be when I was sat on the sofa breastfeeding Breastfeeding with a hand free. So I'd just chat on stories and it became so normal to me to have my boobs out. I almost forgot that it kind of wasn't normal in society. (laughs) And I felt because it was such a primitive ...thing to do... It's such
0: a natural, you know...
1: Yeah, so for me, I didn't see it's me sitting chatting with my boob out. It would be like, I'm just doing what I'm doing, having a yeah, chat.
0: Yeah, So... You don't ever think it, because for you, what's happening right now is very normal.
1: I found as well that I never really understood it when mums would be like, oh, no, I can't come out, or oh, I'm, I'm a bit yes. nervous to leave them with a the babysitter. And I just think very, like, practically, well, just leave them like, with a the babysitter. Oh Everyone gosh. leaves them with a the babysitter. Yeah. yeah. So then... I felt like everyone else sort of went back to normal or got some autonomy back but Alfie wouldn't take a bottle and I love breastfeeding but I also started to resent it because I was like like Tommy can go out and he can meet yeah. friends and yeah. if I ever see friends it's with him mm. and he's not a newborn anymore so he's crawling around and I was like I just feel like I can't live my life and I remember um I was desperate especially you know both with DJing and TV work to prove that I was still me and I was still around and I didn't want to be forgotten so I was like booking all these jobs but I had to take Alfie with me because I was breastfeeding and there was no other way to feed him and then I ended up breastfeeding on tv on the Jeremy Vine show and at the time everyone was like well there was two sides some people said it was wow that's amazing and some people were like attention seeker but I remember thinking but this isn't what I want I wanted to come back as like Ashley James not the mum and instead by coming back almost too soon I'm almost reinforcing this mum's status because I was thinking no I'm breastfeeding on TV and he was, he was meant to be in the green room and I didn't even want him here and now I'm breastfeeding so I was just getting myself into this like pickle and
0: don't you find it so odd that like you know where we are in life that that creates such noise because i remember seeing it everywhere actually i remember thinking you know good for her this is like this that to me felt like a a real step you know and you know and and i could and i don't know if it's because of the industry that we're sort of both in i could fully imagine okay having a baby, I could see that situation. Oh, okay, why don't you sit in the green room with my mum or something like this? And then baby needing a feed and do you know what? Okay, if everyone's, if, if we're cool with this, this is how it's going to go. But it's so crazy to me that that makes such noise as in, oh, that's so calculated, how to it? Like that kind of side of it and that energy to me is just wild. And
1: especially the thing is when people say with breastfeeding that like you're attention seeking, you're like... If you knew how ugly breastfeeding nipples were... Like, my nipples are literally bigger than, like, bigger than my actual boob. Mine were literally,
0: like... Burgers and they were, so, I was literally so down and like, who, where, this bit here in the middle can't be me. <laughs> yeah.
1: So when people would say, like, you're attention seeking, I was like, firstly, I just don't want people looking it's at my boobs. I don't want people looking at my boobs when I was 13 and I don't want people looking at my boobs now. I don't
0: want to look at my boobs. Right now. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I was like, this is just this crazy thing that like, the hypersexualization of boobs. And because I had such big boobs from the age of 13 and I'd get so many comments, you know, mm. don't distract teachers don't strap boys cover up cover up oh my and I went on this huge journey of like trying to accept my body and not feel like I had to like essentially hide myself to be taken seriously and all of those things that I was taught as a teenager and I realized when I was breastfeeding I was like these are ex- ac- actually the same comments that I've always had for having big boobs so it's not about breastfeeding it's about having boobs yeah but surely if ever there was like a period where you could just leave people with <laughs> big boobs excused, alone
0: just leave me in my boobs and know? also like
1: how would alfie as a six-month-old baby as he was at the time he went on jeremy vine how would he uh, right alfie this is gonna be really great press for us if you could just hold the feed and then just as i go on air for that five minutes that i'm on air if that's the moment that like, you could be hungry it's just ludicrous i know
0: to me it still shocks me that we're that we're in a world that that's a thing and that's what people are obsessed with and you know i before i've been on this morning and we've done debates about or we've had people on where you know people are genuinely disgusted that you would breastfeed in a public space or and i'm like how are we here and still having these like archaic conversations you know to a lot of people that were essentially breastfed but also
1: on the other side the shame that mums face when they bottle feed so it's like we literally cannot win
0: you can't win what sort of judgment did you receive online?
1: Um, there was a lot of being accused of being an attention seeker um, for having my boobs out, and I hate this because
0: I'm going to say boobs out. Let's like clarify like how that looks online. You know, feeding is feeding it, child. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like the other boob
1: that like, was just out.
0: But that's what I mean. It's kind of a really. It's 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 strange to me how it can take that narrative. <laughs> your boobs aren't out. You're just feeding your baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But you know it's weird because when I look back at all the pictures and the videos, I was always feeding, and because I'm not in that headspace now, I'm like, oh wow, like it was a big commitment. My my boobs really were always out, <laughs> but it, it didn't feel like that at the time. It was just my reality.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Um, and I remember it. It, it kind of hurt me because I was like it felt like the same sh- sort of shame and judgment that I've had that I've always had. Cause wow. I mean, I was a 30 double G from the age of 13. Mm. So I've always had this like running commentary about my boobs and, you know, like, Oh, you tracked it. Like, don't, don't track the boys. Don't distract the teachers. And I always felt like this huge shame over my body. Like my body was wrong because it could distract people or get attention Attracts or be sexualized. And I wow. remember just wishing that I had small boobs because I was like, I don't, I'm not doing this to myself and even if I'd wear a vest top you know it'd be like oh who've, who've you got the girls out for and I was like oh I don't gosh. have them out they're literally just like on my oh, chest and I'm yeah. also a child and it I really struggled with that sort of like self-acceptance yeah. even in my 20s and when I came into this industry mm. because it's obviously like so much <laughs> sexual yeah. Yeah, 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 like yeah in the tabloids the mm. way they talk about you know it's always like Ashley James flaunts Flaunch. her generous, oh, generous cleavage. Yeah, yeah. I was like, my cleavage isn't generous. It's not like a cha- <laughs> just Your giving to charity left, right and yeah, centre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the yeah. other one is proudly showcases her postnatal <laughs> body. And it's like,
0: I've not showcased. Trust me, <laughs> ain't no ain't no postnatal woman <laughs> showcasing anything. <laughs> you know? we, just, we just want to be left. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty much how that looks. So,
1: yeah, it was just that that same sort of like your attention seeking or you've always got your boobs out and it was from women as well as men but mainly mm. women i think talking about things like prolapse and piles kind of made the men disappear online so that was quite <laughs> that was quite nice but it was just a lot like yeah a lot of shame which around it it shocks
0: me that it's mainly women let's talk about the first moment so the first which is either kind of a terrifying thing for parents for mums or the, you know the most incredible moment and that's that first latch so the first time that Alfie latched on how was that did it go well was it smooth do you know what I actually can't
1: remember the first latch <laughs> really memorable you're like this is a really memorable moment for mums
0: it was memorable for me because the first time with the Laura I was like no not for me Hate it. and then I was just like I can't do this this isn't working and then with Blake I found it so special yeah, I really did. I really did.
1: I think, because Alfie was such a big baby, I remember the hospital saying, we'd normally keep you in until you establish your latch, but that fat kid's going to be fine. <laughs> it doesn't matter if he doesn't feed for two days. He's I'm, good. I remember her saying, we'll be we'll be there in the morning, like, we'll, we'll check on you in the morning, because I had this um, amazing thing that I think doesn't exist on the NHS now, continuative Care, so they'd mm. come to your house. Mm-hmm. So she said, don't worry, like, go home, because um, I, I really, I just felt like I needed to be at home, and then we'll just check him in the morning and then I remember around day three it being really painful I think that's when the milk properly comes in and um, Tommy's mum is a nurse or was a nurse and she came round and I remember Tommy walking into the bedroom and she was like combing my boobs and he was like this is really weird and just (laughs) walked out and I remember having to almost re-establish boundaries with his mum being like what happened two weeks ago we don't talk about that probably, anymore.
0: This probably should <laughs> Yeah, I was
1: really vulnerable, and it felt really nice just to have someone help. But can you knock? Can you knock when you come in? Going forward, those moments are gone. <laughs>
0: that is so funny. That is so funny. What do you have? You got any pearls of wisdom around that time? Because, like you say, I actually really wasn't prepared, and no one actually told me. I, I thought that it would hurt, and you know, I remember that latch and actually every time I fed that continued I breastfed Blake for three months and um that the those sort of first 30 seconds of him getting on every time it was like some days worse than others but it was like scream worthy like it used to just <laughs> until and then yeah it was like that 20 30 seconds of like intense and then it was okay but so I was, sort of, I was sort of prepared for like that first latch to hurt, but I really wasn't prepared for things like the first sort of three, four days when the milk comes in. I remember even like up into my armpit, mm-hmm. like just feeling like bruised and sore. And I remember this, Actually, this is quite funny. My um, hairdresser that I'm really, that is one of my best friends, he said, right, I'm going to come and cheer you up because, you know, I've not seen you for ages. Do you want me to just come and blow dry your hair for you? I was like, oh, my... It was like the what best a great friend to ever receive. I was like, yes! <laughs> and he arrived with chocolate and and... And just said, Have a shower, I'll come when he's napping and I'll blow dry your hair. And it was like when things were opened up again, you could see people and it was just like music to my ears. So he came over and he blow dried my hair. I was so happy about it. I went to bed that night and I just felt it was really weird how those little things can just, but I felt like a new girl. I was like, Yes, oh my God, I feel a little bit like the old me. And I woke up in the morning after that night. And, well, the way that I must have sweat in the nights <laughs> was just so wild that my hair was curly. And like, it was like it, I hadn't seen a hairdresser in like a thousand years. I really wasn't prepared for things like that. Those night sweats. The what's, Have you got like a little list of things that you wish you knew?
1: For breastfeeding... The best advice I was given by the lactation consultant, and it's mm. quite a grim visualisation, but it really helped not have that painful first 30 seconds, was imagine your nipples are a burger.
0: <laughs> well, I don't need to imagine. So you look like a burger? So, you're like,
1: so you squash them and then like point them up so it's going not straight into their mouth, but like up into their mouth. Ah. And so that was a really good tip for not having a painful latch. But also, when your milk comes in, if it's really painful, you know you can get the handheld pumps, oh, yeah. like a hacker or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. The like other brands are available. Yes. Um, put Epsom salts and hot water in the bottom of it, so it's basically like a steam bar mm-hmm. for your boobs, and then get a comb, like a really basic comb, and comb out towards your armpits, and that just helps un like unblock all the clogs of the milk ducts. Oh, wow. Um, so I've already got that little setup the ready little, yeah. <laughs> for yeah, round yeah. two. Um, and then I think it's honestly just don't put pressure on yourself. Like my sister drove herself to insanity trying to breastfeed. And I wish she'd just stopped sooner. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you can do it, that's amazing. But if you can't do it, like take the pressure, just take yeah. the pressure off.
0: Yeah, you're so right. I remember my sort of happy place was, and obviously I had two other children at this point and But I was, because we were in lockdown, I was sort of really I think I had in the back of my brain that I knew this would probably be my last child. And I really wanted to make breastfeeding work. It was really important to me. And Marvin was like, stop putting pressure on yourself. The other two are just fine, you know, but I had, it was one of those things that I wasn't really gonna take, you know, no for an answer. So I really wanted to make it happen. And my thing was actually being left alone so when he needed a feed, whether my mum came round or whether Marvin was in, it was just to really go into a room. And I liked to just be like almost in a dark room by myself. And I had to have eat loads of pasta. That was like my recipe because sometimes I wouldn't have as much milk and sometimes I would. But my thing was, as long as I had loads of carbs and I was like in a dark room, I could feed him really well. And I don't know if that's just because that's what made me relaxed. <laughs> but yeah, that's when my milk sort of was like flowing. I
1: I loved just watching box sets and I didn't quite appreciate that that wouldn't be my life as soon as he started to crawl. <laughs> so I think this time round, yeah, I just, I'm not stressed about oh well all I've done today's feed you know you always hear about cluster feeding yes. and it's like do you know what that's fine if all I have to do is sit down and and like just enjoy the peace and quiet Yeah, that's okay because mm-hmm. it's, it's also good for recovery as well to yeah, not be like moving around like absolute, a crazy person yeah, especially
0: if you're going to have a cesarean you need to just be as still as possible which is hard when you've got one that you have to run around after I think that was the hardest thing about the second cesarean the first time I was like Everyone was coming over and, you don't move. and But the second time, it was like, right, instantly, like, Alaa was like, mummy, mummy, <laughs> mummy. And you're like, oh, yes, how does this... Now what do we do here? I've actually
1: bought a wooden breakfast tray that someone recommended I Ooh, get so that Alf can't get near really my scar. But also I can, like, put crayons and yes. paper there and we can kind of interact a bit. That's
0: it. That's a really nice idea. And you know what are also really good? Those silicone sort of strips, that really give oh. you like a they're like a almost like a big plaster. they give you almost another layer and they're quite they're quite good for healing and good for um the scar and stuff afterwards. Did you express when you were breastfeeding or did you was you pure I know that you said that he really struggled with a bottle, so was that was you planning to express but it it sort of didn't work out that way?
1: At the beginning I was pumping, but I think because I saw everyone else pumping but then I was like why Where, am, why I, am I doing this, this? <laughs> yeah. and I remember looking at my boobs when they were in a pump being like this is the most unattractive I've ever felt in my life just those like real like udder udder
0: yeah. and the noise
1: so I actually I did pump but he never took a bottle but um, my friend adopted at a similar time, and um, so she adopted a little two-year-old girl. And she would actually oh. put a lot of my breast milk in her cereal because oh, apparently there's studies yeah. that it's yeah, good yeah, even yeah. later yeah. in life. So I actually basically gave quite a lot of breast milk to her. I did have some in the freezer, and when we wanted to try and get him on a bottle, we obviously tried. Yeah, yeah. but I think eventually he started to take them from shot glasses. <laughs> so like, we just put milk in a shot glass, and yeah. So he actually never ever had. He never took a bottle, but he wow. went from shot glass to sippy cup. I love that. I love that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, get them on the shots early. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Why not? Well, I'm not using them, so... (laughs)
0: we'll we'll make good use of them. (laughs) What do you think one of the biggest misconceptions around breastfeeding, what would you say one of the biggest misconceptions there are?
1: I think how time-consuming it is, but also how you do it because your baby's hungry you're not doing it for any other reason you know there's no like look at me look at my boobs out it's purely food and I you know for all the comments I got about attention seeking or whatever else it might be I I was like if you wouldn't say it to a mum with a bottle then don't say it to a mum doing it with her boobs because Mm. they are literally the same Mm -hmm. um but then I also found because I was such an advocate for breastfeeding not even intentionally, just because that was my journey. I remember later down the line saying, well, he's not taking a bottle. I'm I'm going to try formula. And actually a lot of the sort of breastfeeding community really came for me. Like, How could you promote formula? And I was like, hang on a minute. I'm not like, I'm not a spokesperson. I'm talking about my journey, journey, but I'm also not people can do whatever they wanted and I think people thought because I was...
0: You became the poster girl for breastfeeding. Yeah, exactly and I was
1: really shocked. Like I had so many people um, message me kind of like really condemning me for showing formula and I was like but I've never it's always been in my cupboard like there was never um, like I think people thought that I would judge and actually even my sister said you know she was so scared to tell me that she couldn't breastfeed or that she'd given up Um, because she was so worried about me judging her and I was like but why oh, do we see, feel? It, yeah. Why do we feel like yeah. that? Because also, all I'm doing online is sharing my journey. But and there's there's like there was like pros and cons towards mm. the end of that journey. And, and this is
0: what's working for me. It doesn't necessarily mean this is like gonna work for you or what I. You know, I, we none of us know what's right. We just know what's right and what is working for us, and
1: right? I also think one of the reasons I loved it so much is because I'd had all this like hypersexualization around my boobs it mm-hmm. felt for the first time like they were mine you know they were doing something kind of pure like mother earthy yeah. so instead of being this like actually showcases her generous cleavage yeah. it was kind of like oh like this is this is, a- this is really nice for mm-hmm. me because I'm reclaiming my body and mm-hmm. it's like motherly instead of like sexual that kind of like Madonna whore complex yeah Yeah, I was like I'm now like the Madonna the the, (laughs) like the virgin mother as opposed to like the whore and um so yeah I think that's like why I liked it so much, but this time around, all I'm going to do is my best mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. for as
1: long as I can. Well, that's
0: all you can do, and I'm isn't also it?
1: really hoping that she'll take a bottle, so the pressure's not on me yeah. all through the night, yeah. every single night. Yeah,
0: because that's one thing I found really hard with breastfeeding. Actually, had it having had two little ones that I sort of tried, and then it, it ended very quickly. And then Valley, I actually didn't try at all, so they were only formula fed. And then when I had Blake, it was kind of I found it hard when it comes to sort of getting him into some sort of sleep routine because i didn't actually really know what he was having so with them i'd be like oh well they've had six ounces tonight so and i kind of use that as my sort of marker in in terms of everything else so i'd go right she's crying okay she's just had that so she's not hungry maybe she's got wind or maybe so i kind of Use that to know mm. what the problem could be. Or maybe she's just tired, or maybe it's a nappy, or you know, there was always a reason. Where well, with him, I kind of would feed him for a period of time, which you know can change to if he's had enough, or I think he's had enough, but I never actually knew what he was taking. So I kind of found that hard and I kind of found that it was a bit of a mystery, you know, like what has he had? Well. I don't know, Marv. He was on for about 40 minutes. And I kind of don't know if he's had enough or, you know, and I found that actually quite tricky, you know. See, I never knew any
1: difference. I've never done mm. the bottle thing. I mm. always thought like, oh, so, like Alf would sleep next to me and I was like, I'm so glad I don't have to like, think about sterilising bottles yeah. or anything. But yeah, it also meant that I was essentially his dummy for the year of his life. Yeah. So I never really, I never really knew how much he was having, but I could see that he was growing but but I guess because you had the experience the first time I yeah. around with the bottles, I never had that, so it was just kind of and maybe, my reality. Maybe
0: that, that's the beauty in that, though, that it's all done on, like, instinct versus, like, mine was probably a bit more, like, formulaic, li- literally, like, okay, this is what she, you know. Yeah. But for me, that's how I knew she was all right. So I kind of didn't have that marker and I found that quite hard. I found that, you know, a bit of a pressure for some reason. So what age was Alfie when you decided, okay, let's sort of start this weaning journey as in weaning him off of your boob?
1: So it actually wasn't my choice. Um, Mm -hmm. I said that I would try to keep doing it for as long as he didn't want Mm -hmm, it. But obviously mm -hmm. I was hopeful that he was starting to have his shot glasses by then. (laughs) But it it was actually quite a traumatic end because basically just before his first birthday, he started to bite Mm -hmm. and it was so painful. But all the advice that I got was like, just push through it you'll be fine like you have to push through it they go through these phases but he'll learn don't react don't react so two weeks later we were on holiday and I remember like my nipples were like bleeding they had bite marks in he had teeth by that point as well and he wasn't actually even feeding and then he'd get so upset because he was so used the boob the boob was literally like his dummy as well as his food yeah and I remember being like Ow, ow, Alfie, stop! And I and I, I never shout at him. That's like one thing I'm quite good at. I'm quite mm. patient, and so then he'd get upset because I'd be upset, and then Tommy would be like, "You can't like, you don't react. It's not his fault. He doesn't know." And and I was like, "I know, Tommy, but it's painful." It's in, yeah, and it's I I remember saying to him, "I feel like it's like putting your nipple in a piranha bowl. Like you don't know."
0: <laughs> I, used <to> say, <laughs> <laughs> I used to say that about Blake. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, And so
1: after two weeks and I spoke to various um, like lactation consultants or people online and everyone, their advice was always push through, push through the pain, don't react, don't react. And I said to Tommy, this is ridiculous. Like, what are we teaching someone that they're in pain, but they have to like not react or push through or like. Enjoy that. Yeah. So I was like, actually, this is. I can't do it anymore Mm. because I'm stressed Alfie's stressed he's not actually feeding so he clearly doesn't want it but also he's getting confused because I'm shouting at him
0: and and then it doesn't make you feel nice you then get the guilt about I said I was like
1: I just I can't that we have to like that's it now because it went on for like two weeks it was just really stressful two Mm. weeks and I've never let Alf cry that was always my like one thing that I was like I'm not I never let him cry so we never did the quiet out or anything Mm. like that Mm Um, So we had these really traumatic two nights Whereas I am on holiday, I I sat in the hotel bathroom, he was crying but we knew he didn't want boob and also I just, I was like enough now, I can't keep putting myself Mm -hmm. through the pain. Mm -hmm. But also because I'm raising a son as well, I was like what, I know he's really young but I was like what am I teaching him that it's okay to hurt a woman and we shouldn't say anything. I was like just the whole thing feels wrong and Mm. it feels like bad advice. So I sat and cried and cried and actually after the first night he was absolutely fine and I pumped for a bit but he actually loved um, this like growing up milk that we still use for him and um, they say like oat milk and breast milk are the most similar so he never was interested in dairy or any Mm -hmm, of the mm -hmm. other ones but he still has this oat milk so it was that one night of feeling (laughs) totally helpless and awful and then he was just fine ever since so it was It wasn't how I saw it ending because I thought it'd be this really gradual sort of holistic thing, but I was also so relieved. I was just like, oh, like I feel like I did my bit, and now I have the free freedom. And it was like I was doing it because I felt like he needed it, but he obviously didn't need it anymore.
0: So it's it's like you say, it wasn't the end that you had in mind, but I suppose at the same time it was quite a natural end because clearly he was done with it and so were you in your own ways
1: yeah so i was like my poops can heal now
0: you can be mine again <laughs> yeah. i'm happy to have you back for a while <laughs> so two questions i ask to each of my guests um which i'm always so curious to know what is the biggest thing do you think you've learned since becoming a parent I like children <laughs> I suppose so for you because this was a million miles off of what you thought your life would look like right? yeah I mean
1: even when I was pregnant I remember saying to Tommy but I don't like children but I don't like them <laughs> but he was like but you are like your own and now I'm like how did I not like them they're yeah. so cool like toddlers are literally like magical they're just experiencing life for the first yeah. time yeah I'm like children are actually really cool but they like bring so much joy into the world like yeah. I love kind of seeing the world through Alf's eyes and I find that instead of being distracted like thinking about my phone or work when I'm with him even if we're just reading a book like he is living in that moment yeah. so they're almost like
0: so present when you're with children yeah. aren't you
1: so it, like it's cheesy to say but I feel like they're our biggest teachers
0: yeah oh I love that I've never had that answered before oh. that's very nice and tell me I mean this is a tricky one but what is it that you're still figuring out?
1: how to do it all, mm. the struggle, because I, even now, you know, we have childcare in place and I still just feel like I'm constantly kind of catching my, is it catching my tail? Chasing, you know, chasing, chasing my tail. <laughs> um, so one of my big goals for this year was to make time for friends because I felt like last year it was just work and alf, work and alf, work and yeah. alf. And I really missed that sort of social element. Mm. So this year... Have you seen the film Inside Out?
0: No, I haven't.
1: Oh, it's a really good. It's a Pixar film. Watch it with your kids, but it's amazing. Oh, the kids
0: one. Yes, I have seen the kids one. Sorry, I thought you. About was... the people yes, that live, yes, the characters yes, that live in yes. your brain.
1: They, she has this thing where she has her personality mm-hmm. islands. So I thought at the beginning of this year, well, my my personality islands friendship is a big island, and I've just totally neglected it so i'm just like booking in time with friends that's so
0: nice and how's and have you been doing it Has it been going yeah so good
1: and i feel better even like because i've struggled with like relocating and i just feel better about everything mm. and i feel like yeah i feel like that's what i'm figuring out
0: and what a nice place to be just before Your little girl arrives. Yeah. It's nice. I'm pleased for you. And I'm
1: excited to get to do the friendship thing with a newborn because I never got to do that first time around. Yeah, of course,
0: because of lockdown. Oh, there's so much... There's a whole world that you've, like... That you can now tap into.
1: Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. I just can't wait to meet her now.
0: Special times ahead. Now, this part of the show is called My Little Tips. And I kind of when I have a guest, I really want, you know, to know exactly what it is that you, what knowledge you would pass on to another parent. And I think what's so important about what you said is many women can really feel disconnected with, I don't know, their baby or their body or their new life around the time that their little ones are born. So what would be your tip? Um, I suppose it's specifically for women who, are feeling a disconnect i suppose with their body what would be your tip for them
1: i would say it's remembering how your body has literally birthed a human so that's mm. a miracle in itself and it does take time however long that is for different people for me it was a year just for my bones to move back yeah so don't i think it's really easy to look back on your pre-pregnancy body and be like wow, my body was amazing. But actually, you probably didn't appreciate your body in that moment either. Mm-hmm. So it's about shifting your mindset to not get caught up in how you used to look like, but embracing this new version of you. So whether that's like buying nice clothes that mm-hmm. make you feel good, um, but also remembering like there's so much pressure on women. You know, we can't win, whether it's like bounce back culture, ageing, whatever mm. it might be. And actually, like none of it matters because when we it's so cheesy to say but when we look back on our deathbed we're not going to be like thank god i got to," you know size 10 jeans
0: oh thank god (laughs) nine months postnatally you're going to be
1: like wow i got to like hug like birth a child Mm. hug my baby hug my friends go dancing so, try not to get caught up on numbers and whether that's the number on a scale or the number in a dress. But mm-hmm. numbers in dresses, they're wild, like, especially if you go somewhere they like make HM. make no
0: sense. Yeah. But they literally make no sense. And have you seen, there's this thing going around on TikTok where you can see Zara's like got this funny coding. One's got a square in it one's got a circle and one means an oversight. Literally, it's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. And I'm definitely not, and I'm, I'm definitely in between. I've just, i have just. I'm like. I'm all. I always buy a ten because I know an eight's not going to fit. But I'm actually a nine. So. I've
1: also just started buying like bigger clothes. Mm. So I used to buy because I was like, well, I'm a, I'm a ten or I'm an eight or yeah. I'm a twelve. So I'd be like, I'm only going to buy those clothes. Mm. And now like all my jumpers are a size sixteen or eighteen. So I'm like, I'm and then they're actually the really, look, yeah, they're yeah. really cozy. I'm like, why have I like confine myself to a number (laughs) it makes no sense exactly go Um, on
0: the actual item itself
1: yeah so I think that would be my like body tip Mm -hmm. and then I feel like just for like general tip is Mm -hmm. try not to get caught up in all the different advice because everyone's experience is so unique and everybody I think wants to help based on their own challenges and struggles but actually you might not have those and one thing I did find really hard when I was struggling was all the kind of negative just you waits, like, it gets harder. Yeah. Wait till they're two. Wait till the tantrum starts. And that actually almost sent me over the edge because I was like not coping then. I was like, oh my God, is this my life now? It's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Whereas
0: actually... Yeah. What am I just waiting for? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was terrified. I was
1: like, I'm already so unhappy. And people keep telling me how much worse it's going to be. Like, I can't, I can't let it get much yeah. worse. And actually, I've loved it. I like. I can't believe I was ever scared of like the toddler years. I think they're like, the coolest. Like mm. he's just the coolest little dude. So yeah, he's got. You know, he's learning big emotions, but I actually enjoy the challenges that come with that, yeah. and I enjoy like bit like teaching him and how to self-belief, navigate them. The self
0: belief you have as a parent once you've. I think that like you say that just you wait sort of outlook is so scary because actually what you are building over time is more confidence and you might not think it when you're in that moment but then that will then serve something in i don't know two months time because you're like well actually i know what i'm doing now because we went through this so yeah i'm with you i hate that just you wait yeah it's yeah it's not for me
1: (laughs) and i see why it's easy to do but i always say to anyone like I'll never give you, I'll never give you unsolicited advice, but just know that I'm here if you need anything, because yeah. otherwise it can be overwhelming with everyone yeah. just putting their experiences onto
0: you. And projecting whatever it is they're going through. Like, oh, you think, you, it's almost like a really, it's a really, and I was always paranoid not to do that to other women, because cause, cause I might have a teething baby right now. I don't want to go, oh yeah, but it's fine now, because they sleep, you just wait till they start teething. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a really, we all we need to get better at that, for yeah. sure. Well, thank you so much. That has honestly been such a nice chat and such an open chat. I think there will be so many parents, particularly new mums, that will take so much from that. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It's been really nice. What a great chat. Breastfeeding is such a big discussion and something I think many of us find there is a sea of information. So it was great to hear Ashley's really honest experience. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll be back again next week with another wonderful guest. So make sure you follow the My Little Coco podcast wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you get the latest episodes as soon as they are available. For more helpful products and inspiration on all things baby, visit the advice section on boots.com today. You'll also receive helpful advice and inspiration completely tailored to your stage of pregnancy or for the age of your child. And if you download the Boots app, you'll receive digital offers too. Thanks again to my sponsor Boots and of course, as always, to you lovely lot for listening.